Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. This week, we have Todd Zirkel preaching. Todd is a lay member here at Beach Grove United Methodist and is preaching while Pastor Andrew is away on his Christmas vacation. Todd today, this week, is preaching about John 1, the first chapter in the Gospel of John and talking about grace, glory, and truth. We invite you to join us us and listen along as Todd brings the message this week. A reminder that our services are available in their entirety on our YouTube channel, which is linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast so that new sermons will pop into your feed as soon as they are available. You can subscribe or follow using your favorite podcast app. And if you are feeling really generous, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review that helps us to grow our audience. Lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. Good morning. Our reading this morning is a scripture is a gospel lesson. Please rise and stand if you are able. From the book of John, chapter 1, <clears throat> beginning with verse 1 through 18. There's a little frog that's decided to visit me. <clears throat> the word became flesh. <clears throat> In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What was come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own. His own people did not accept him, but to all who received him, who believed in his name. He gave power to become the children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, 
who has made him known. This is the word of God for the children of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. Um, I'm not an expert of being up here, so if it's too loud or too soft, give me thumbs up, thumbs down. If, if you think I need to leave the stage, just throw things at me. But if it's a thumbs up, thumbs down, I'll assume it's volume. Um, I'm Todd Zirkel. Um, I'm normally at the 930 service. If not, everyone knows who I am intimately. Um, today I'm going to be talking about John's first 18 verses of the book of John. And um, I'd like to open with a word of prayer real quick. Lord, uh, please open us up to what you have to say to us, and may it be your words and not mine that uh, everyone hears. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Okay, so I want to explain what I'm not going to talk about like I always do when I'm going to give a talk so that you understand the problem that I have more to say than I have time to say. But I have to tell you what I'm not going to say a little bit so that you can feel that appreciation. I don't know. Um, I'm going to talk about two-thirds of this scripture that we heard this morning, verses 1 through 18. The, I want to tell you what I'm not talking about just so that you don't think it's not important. It's just two more studies. You know, it's another sermon topic to cover those. those so we're not going to... Um, the, the parts I'm not going to talk about is um, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. We could spend an entire sermon talking about that, so I'm going to leave that for now. We're, um, we're all born-again Christians here, so I think we understand what they're talking about in that verse. But I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just, it's not part of, you'll see what I'm going to do. The other part is um, the verses about John the Baptist, because that's another lecture in itself as well, uh, talking about what was going on at the time when some people were slightly astray and were worshiping John the Baptist as if he was someone holy and holier than he should have been represented. And so those verses were basically telling those people in the beginning of John that John the Baptist wasn't the person you should be following. He was come to let you know that the person you should be following is going to follow him. So I'm not going to spend time on that either. So the parts I am going to talk about... Um, is the other two-thirds of them, and they're not going to be in the order which you heard them. The reason for that is because I'm going to put them in more of a chronological order of how the events transpired from beginning eternal eternity to the crucifixion and eternity with Christ and God after the crucifixion. So in that chronological order of the events which will take place, I'm going to rearrange the verses of 1 through 18, and you'll see how in, in just a second... Um, so that it makes sense in that, in that order, all right? Um, so perspective is how you look at something. And as born-again Christian perspective, which, which the perspective I'd like to talk this morning from, um, isn't the perspective necessarily that John the Baptist was trying to speak to when he was speaking to the Greeks and the Jews um, in these chapters. But we have the advantage of having Christ already been resurrected and living in 
in that grace already. So we're looking back at what John was saying. So I'm not gonna analyze why he said it to the people he was talking to per se, but I'm gonna put it in the frame that we can understand because we already understand the full story, okay? So a point of view, the definition of perspective is uh, for drawing is the art of drawing solid objects on a two-dimensional surface so as to give the right impression of their height, width, depth, and position in relation to each other when viewed from a particular point. There's a lot of stuff to view here in different points of view. And we're going to take the Christian born-again point of view today. Okay, does that all make sense? All right, so that's where I'm coming from. There are some interesting things that John did. Uh, unpacking the first 18 verses of this chapter is amazing and has a lot of stuff you can talk about. Um, basically, um, Jesus cemented, or John cemented who Jesus was to the Jews. At the same time, he did it for the Greeks, who had never seen this kind of a message before, where the God who was a good God, who was the creator, um, sent his son in person, God on earth, to save mankind. This isn't something any other religion has, so that was pretty amazing that he was uh, summarizing that in a way that the Greeks could understand. And um, he summarized his entire book, the book of John, in those verses, and he summarized the whole um, message of God and his plan for man in a chronological order if you rearrange the verses and all that was done in just 18 verses it's crazy how much stuff is in here okay so having that saying that now we're gonna rearrange the verses a little bit okay so if you take the verses i want you to memorize this okay 1 2 10 3 17 11 9 3 to 4 18 14 17 16 and 12 in that order does that make sense all right that puts, it, that puts it in the order that includes these chronological events. In the beginning, not before creation, I mean way before creation, the beginning of before anything is the beginning. Then you have creation that's going to take place. Then you have man also being created in there as well. Then you have man sinning and falling away from God and being separated from God. Okay. Then you have the law being given. Um, through Moses. Then you have the word becoming flesh and living among us. Then the crucifixion and what happens after that. Those are the epics that we're going to talk about by rearranging those verses. So that being said, this is the order um, and it's not as smoothly read, but you'll, you'll see what I'm doing here. The order that you can read these verses so that they go from the beginning to the crucifixion and beyond in that order. Does that make sense? So here's the same again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the world came into being through him. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. The law, indeed, was given through Moses. He, Jesus, came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only son who is close to the father's heart. 
who has made him known. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. So all that was said in verses 1 through 18, but not in that order. But when you put it in that order, you can see the whole message, right? It's amazing. He was talking to the Greeks. He was talking to the Jews. He was talking to the Gnostics. He was talking to the followers of John the Baptist. And yet, in all of that, he put the entire story into perspective and covered all the bases, even though they weren't in the same order from the timeline. But I put them in the timeline order, and it's all still there. And that's only two-thirds of the verses. Okay? That being said, now we're going to jump into it. You ready? Then we begin. All right, so I'm going to touch on each of these epics and uh, comment a little bit. The focus of what we're going to be talking about today is um, truth, grace, and glory. Okay? What truth, what grace, and what glory is what we'll cover in each of these and we'll do it in a chronological order so that it makes sense the way I just read it. So in the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or powers, all things have been created through Him, and for him. Okay? So the, the word that existed with God before anything else was God, was with God. They communed. Everything about God is shadowed and or rem, God, the, the word of God is reminiscent of God as well. They were in total harmony and then creation happened and word is who created it. Okay? And then in creation... We'll see that uh, Psalm 33, 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. All things came into being through him, including man. When we were created, we were created to be in the family of God. We were always intended to be in God's family. It was our sin that we'll talk about in a second, which ruined that. But we were intended to be holy, uh, not on an achievement of our own, but from a gift from God, okay? In Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30, it says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So, then sin occurred and we were separated from God and we no longer communed with God and that uh, what God had intended all along was to be in the family now had to be restored, okay? So talking about this, although it's not in those 18 verses, the man, sin and separation part is the only part that's not in those uh, verses that I talked about. But they are in other verses, including in the First John letter, we'll talk about in a second, but... In Romans 3, chapter 23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've heard this and know this. Um, Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. That's in Psalms 51, verse 5. Um, so from the time when man sinned until the law of Moses was given, um, Romans 5, 14 says, Death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses. So basically, 
that was a bad period of time to be alive because there aren't a lot of people that made it. Maybe Enoch for sure, um, and uh, Noah and his family in that direct lineage. But a lot of other people didn't even make it or even have a chance because they didn't even have the law to go by or anything, or they weren't born into that lineage. Um, but in First John chapter one, Paul, uh, John also says, "If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." So although it's not in the opening of his book, it's in one of his letters later. He, he talks about that. So now we have the the fall of uh, the fall of man from grace. Okay, so we're marching along our timeline, and then the, the old covenant, which is the covenant made to Moses and the law given to Moses, is where we come into the law being given. Okay. Um, the reason that uh, the law was given uh, is what we're going to see here. Because sin is not reckoned where there is no law. That's in Romans 5, verse 13. Through the law comes knowledge of sin. Uh, that's Romans 3, verse 20. No human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Romans 3, uh, verse 20. So you can't just regain what you lost without understanding that you've lost it and that you're sinned and there's sinners and the only way to do that is to have the law point that out to you to um, uh, to be our disciplinarian basically okay so that we can try to follow it but understand that we're fallen and that we can't because this is all leading to the grace that was given by Christ okay so in the law God demands righteousness for men the law was given uh, that, could, that could now make men alive. Righteousness came through the law. That's in Galatians 3. The law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. Romans 7, verse 12. The Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 30 to 31. So although the law was given, it's also capable of not being able to fill the law and the wrath of God could be upon you. So the people from Moses until Christ came we're living in this period where, oh my God, they could be smote. Is that the right word? God might smite them for touching the Ark of the Covenant. You're struck down, you know, if you disobey God, the ground could open up and swallow you because you, you really made him mad, you know. That, that's the, the hard part before Christ came. Um, it was temporal and a provisional grace, uh, the law was. The law was God's people's disciplinarian. We said that already. That's in Galatians 3.24. Anyone who violates the law dies without mercy. That's not good. That's Hebrews 10, verse 28. The law was not able to transform or save us, though. And enter, in, and enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Psalms 143, verse 2. So man imprisoned under the power of sin by Scripture. Galatians 3, 22. Basically, you had to understand the law in order to understand sin. You, you fell. You can't get a grasp of the grace of God and the faith in who Christ was going to sh show himself to be without um, understanding sin first. So it was a necessary step to, to, to bring us back. Now we come to Christ's coming, okay? The word became flesh. All right? The, the things I'm going to talk about here are the truth and the grace. The truth comes in three parts, which I'm going to talk about. Um, the truth about who Christ was, the truth about God the Father and who he really is, and why Christ had to come in the first place. 
Uh, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the truth. Uh, he's basically the revealed truth about God um, come to earth, okay? So the truth about who Christ was, the word, the living light, who's at the Father's side, is revealed to man. In 1 John chapter 1, um, John writes, We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, we have, and we have seen it and testified to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard. So the truth about who Christ was is part of the truth. This man came, lived among you, and he is God. He is God-made man. Okay, That's the beginning of what um, John says in the first two verses. The truth about God the Father was revealed. No, nobody has seen God. Nobody knew God. They only knew the God of wrath, maybe, or they, they, um, they didn't have a personal relationship with God the way um, we can now because of what Christ did. The, the glory of God lived in the Holy of Holies and only the high priest could even enter that area. There wasn't any interaction between um, the common Israelite and God himself. Okay, So no one really knew what God was like. And perhaps people didn't understand that he was anything other than a, um, someone who demanded that they follow the law. All right, But because uh, Christ is God, he's the ultimate expression of truth if we've seen Christ, we've seen the Father. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, Colossians 1.19. God's presence um, in the tabernacle, in the temple, pointed to his presence coming in person to Jesus Christ. When he was in the tent, in the Holy of Holies, uh, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and between the cherubim's wings is where the presence of God dwelled. Um, that was God's presence on earth. Christ, when he came... Um, if you look at the, the Greek um, that this is based on, it says God tabernacled with us through Christ, which is a really interesting way to say he dwelled with us because if you don't get the tabernacle part, you don't understand that the glory of God dwelling on earth was with us like the glory of God living in the tent in the, in the tabernacle. Does that make sense? Um, so... Um, so anyone who's seen Jesus has seen the Father. The glory is revealed. The first uh, um, seven miracles or the seven miracles that Jesus performed in the book of John was Jesus displaying God's glory to the rest of the world. We who are Christians and understand who he is see his glory in a way that they don't because we have the Holy Spirit living in us now. But for them, those miracles were needed to see the glory of God in person. Um, the only other time I think that the Gentiles perhaps really saw the glory of God in the, the closest form of what we think the glory of God is, is when they were swallowed up in the Red Sea, when the pillar of fire appeared, um, it drove the Egyptians crazy because they saw it too. And they're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, next thing you know, they're swimming, not swimming so well. And, but um, Jesus revealed the glory of God through the, through the miracles that he performed in the book of John. So Jesus didn't come to talk about God to let people know who God was. He came to show them what God is like. And that by doing that, the simplest person or the, the greatest philosopher, whoever looked at him, would see God and what God was really like. Um, 
So no one can tell us what God is like, God's, what God's will is for us, or what God's love and heart and mind are like, as Jesus can. God was and ever shall be like Jesus. But men could never know and realize that until Jesus came. So Jesus came to show everyone what they didn't know because no one had seen God, but now they have seen God. In Jesus and in him alone, there's perfectly revealed to men all that God always was and always will be, and all that he feels towards us and desires for men is revealed through Christ. The third truth that he brought was why he had to come. Um, the thing that we have to understand about this truth is that Jesus didn't bring life. He didn't give us life. God gave us life by sending his son. So God is the person who loves us. It's not Jesus' love and God's a God of wrath. And No, they're the same God. The God who sent Jesus is the one who gave, the, gave us the gift. So although Jesus is the bringer of life, the giver of life is God. God the Father is light. Jesus was God made man to bring light into the world to show us God that we may become children of light. Um, Dave McFadden, uh, a pastor, gave a sermon in 2013 where he's talking about the reason for Christmas. And this is really amazing and I want to commit it to memory. So I'm going to read it to you because I think it's really cool. The one who is unapproachable approached us in Christ so that the one who is unknowable might be revealed to us so that, so that what was impossible might be accomplished for us and that which was lost might be restored to us. That's pretty cool. I like that. So anyway, in John chapter 5, verse 24, it says, The man who hears and believes has eternal life and will not come into judgment. So that's the reason why Christ came. So the three truths were who Jesus was, what God was like, because you could see it in Jesus, and why Christ had to come. Okay, those are the three truths that were revealed. Now the other two parts of the, the sermon title, I guess, is the grace and the glory part. So the grace comes in two different parts, and the first part is God giving us Christ in the first place, and the rest of the grace is what Christ had to do to, to save us. All right, so we'll talk about the first part first. Um, God giving God's own life to his people was the first part of grace. Uh, Christ took on the limitations of a human being to save undeserving sinners. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men might become sons of God. I also like that saying. Divinity was clothed in humanity so that humanity might be clothed in divinity. Anyway, cool sayings that seem to apply, so I threw them in there. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, John 6, uh, verse 40. So the first grace was Christ's coming. Okay, the first part of grace revealed was uh, Christ being brought to us. The glory that he's shown, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and that's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. In uh, John 1.14, one of these verses that we talked about, um, it says, And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The glory was revealed in the miracles that he performed that they talk about in the book of John. Um, Barclay said of this, uh, of glory here, I'm going to quote some of his bullets here. The life of Jesus Christ was a manifestation of glory. The glory which Jesus manifests is the glory of God. Um, 
Jesus prays that God would glorify him as the, uh, with the glory that he had before the world began. This is in John 17. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. So Christ, this is the word of God who existed before creation, had glory and his glory was revealed in the creation itself and everything that's been created revealed his glory as well. And Christ prayed that he had that glory revealed after um, the crucifixion, obviously. But the reason that he got that glory was to give us the glory. So he transferred the glory to his disciples. It says, the glory that, I, that you have given me, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. So that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. And loved them even as you have loved me. John 17, 22 to 23. So God's glory was brought with Christ to be given to us so that we can reveal God's glory as well. When Jesus came to earth, men saw him in the splendor of God, and at the heart of that splendor was love. So now God has been revealed as love because they are the same. And Jesus, in everything that he did, showed love. So that revealed God's love when seeing that. The one part that's not in these verses really quick is the crucifixion part, but I'll quote a couple of verses just to, to hit the epic that we're leading towards the second part of grace. God proved his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verse 8. While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, 6. Through Christ, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. That's in Colossians chapter 1. So Christ paid the price to restore us to a place where our lives can once again bring God glory. So the fall had to be fixed. We had to understand the law, understand sin, so that when Christ came, we could accept that through faith and again bring God glory again by becoming part of the family again. <coughs> so the second part is the grace for all men. And for all men means not just the Israelites now, now it's anybody. And this isn't revealed in those uh, first 18 verses. Um, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, Romans 3. Now that we have been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. So that third truth, why Christ had to come, was to save us from the wrath of God. Okay? Uh, we have been given the power to become children of God. Uh, and God is willing to forgive us and bless us abundantly because of that. We have received reconciliation through Jesus Christ, Romans 5.11. The free gift following many trespasses brings justification, Romans 5.16. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through Jesus Christ, Romans 5.17. <clears throat> so, faith was revealed through Christ. Justified by faith, we can now approach God as children of God. In Christ Jesus, we're all children of God through faith. No longer Greek or Jew, no longer slave or free, no longer male or female, all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3, 23 to 29. And Colossians 1 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son 
in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And the only thing that's left is accepting Christ to be in there. And so accepting that grace is required. Uh, Grace is God's favor toward the unworthy. It's undeserved. It's God's benevolence on the undeserving that gave it to us. It wasn't anything that we could have done. We just have to accept the truth, the truth of who Christ was, the truth of who God is, and the truth of why Christ came. You believe in Christ, you confess your sins, and you're good. If, you, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, verse 9. You who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, Christ is now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. Colossians 1. So now that God's plan for us to be part of his family is now restored. And it was all part of the plan from the beginning. We are predestined to be part of his family. We are predestined that Christ would have to show us. An interesting parallel to that is look at Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was going to be sacrificed by Abraham, um, but God provided the offering instead. We couldn't do anything to obey the law the sacrifice had to be provided by God the same way that God provided the sacrifice um, for um, Abraham and Isaac. All right, so now we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us by accepting Christ and accepting his gift and accepting his grace. Um, God said, let light shine out of darkness. His light shines in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ, 2 Corinthians. All of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.18. The, the, Jew, the Jews have a tradition that a rabbi talks about that says that there's a procession of angels going before us that are crying out, make way for the image of God. So we are the image of God, and everywhere we go, people see God through us because the light is in us because Christ brought the light, the gift from God, brought from his Son, that we accept. And now, because of the receiving the Holy Spirit, that light's in us, so everywhere that we go, we are bringing that light with us. And the image of God is seen by everybody that way. That's pretty much what I've got. Any questions? Is it confusing? So... (laughs) We summarized the whole chain of events that were talked about in the first 18 verses of this introduction to the book of John that was brought to the Greeks, it was brought to the Jews, it was correcting the Gnostics for their heresy of beliefs, it corrected the people who were following John the Baptist, it told the whole story of how you believe in Christ and you're restored into the family of God, and it's all in 18 verses. If you can pack that kind of a story into 18 verses, I'd love to read, a, read your book. But that was really good. And there's more sermons to be had in just those first 18 verses, but that's all we got for today.